Good morning. My name is Spencer Bros, and I'm the lead pastor here at St. Stephen's, and it is a blessing to be here with you, whether we're in the room together or you're joining us virtually as we worship together in spirit and truth, beginning, beginning the Advent season together. As we enter into the Advent season, we're going to explore some scriptures, some voices of Advent that help us get ready for the coming of Christ at Christmas. And today we start in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it and your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent tricked me, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you among all animals among, and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We lived in the Roanoke Valley for four years while I served a church in Salem. And while we were there, I had a little garden out behind the parsonage, the pastor's home. And when I say little, it was one row next to the shed. We had four plants total, two green peppers and two tomatoes. You can make salsa, I guess, was the plan. I don't know. I just needed to grow something there. And I had, one summer morning, I had Gavin outside with me playing and exploring and generally keeping her busy. Morgan was a newborn, and I imagine this, I was outside with Gavin so that Lori might have a moment to herself while Morgan was napping. That's my idyllic vision of what was going on at that time. I don't know. But while we were roaming around, Gavin and I went to go check on the little garden, and lo and behold, one of the pepper plants had a little 
green and I like that big walnut sized green pepper growing on it and before the words could come out of my mouth do not touch it Gavin is down there holding it in her little hands and and she didn't mean to but it came off in her hands and 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 she looked at me and saw irritation upon my face and then she extended handed extended it towards me and said daddy fix it I learned two things in that moment <laughs> The first thing I learned is either one of my girls anytime said, Daddy, fix it. I was going to do whatever I could, uh, either to do it or to help them do it. I learned that very quickly in that moment because my heart broke because I, I didn't care about the pepper at that point. I just wanted to take care of her. And then the second thing occurred to me is if I feel like this for her, how much more does our God feel about that for us? I think multiplied by infinity must be the way that God cares about us. And we know we live in a world that needs fixing. So this morning, we're going to explore two things. We're going to explore the fall, which is the story that, that uh, the scripture passage was. We call it the fall. And explore the incarnation. The incarnation being the coming of God in flesh in the person of Jesus Christ uh, on Christmas Day. The fall ruins, the incarnation restores. And that's where we're going to dwell this morning in our scripture passage. And you, you might be familiar with the, with the creation story. There's six days of God creating something out of nothing. The void of nothingness and chaos. At the end of the first five days, each of those days, God would say, and it was, saw that it was good. At the end of the sixth day, the day that God made humanity, among other things, he stood back and looked at all of it and said that it was not just good, but he said it was very good. From its first moments, everything in creation was meant for good and was working very well together. But those humans, the ones he made in his own image on that sixth day, the ones he had given dominion over everything else of creation, decided they wanted more. So this brings us back to this story of Genesis 3, the fall, where sin enters in and ruins God's good and perfect creation. Let's take a minute, let's take a little bit and just kind of walk through some of that passage. Beginning at verse 8, Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And all that followed there. How did you know you were... Who told, why are you hiding? We were naked and afraid. Who told you you were doing that? We ate the fruit, you know, and all that, all that went with that. We learn in that exchange that sin ruins our intimacy with God. I love this whole passage because it paints such a real picture of our relationship with God and with one another. <laughs> And a very honest look at how we respond to each other when, the, when uh, criticism or blame uh, starts to be thrown towards us. We see, God's, we see the intimacy with God ruined in this picture. They heard God coming in the garden. They hid themselves. And if you read this passage as a parent, you might think, yeah, I know you're hiding because you know you messed up, so we're, we're coming looking. 
but it wasn't the case. The way that the verbs are in Hebrew isn't that God came and looking in that moment, but God comes looking for them in the cool of the evening breeze like he does every afternoon in the cool of the evening breeze. They enjoyed an afternoon walk with God every day. That's the action of the verb that's happening in Hebrew. But that's broken now. One of the things that the fall and, and therefore sin ruins is our closeness with God. And we turn from a close relationship built on admiration to one that is filled with fear. Why did you hide? We were afraid. Sin ruins our intimacy with God. Sin also ruins relationships. Because we move from that exchange to Genesis 11. He said, who told you you were naked? And And then the blame game starts, right? The woman whom you gave me, in case you forgot, gave it to me and I ate it. Turns to the woman. That snake... And what's left unsaid is that you put in the garden tricked me. Sin ruins our relationships. When God creates Eve, Adam breaks out in poetry. In this moment, she did it. It's her fault. In the sense of the fall and of sin entering into our lives and into the world, rather than owning our stuff, we start pointing fingers. And in this story, as it continues to unfold, then the consequences start to roll out. God turns and curses the snake and then the man and woman. You see, because sin ruins the goodness of the entire created order. And I won't go through that entire um, cursing, but you've, you heard me say it. It enjoys, it, sin ruins our enjoyment of God's good gifts. The woman, uh, God, God had blessed them. Go, be fruitful and multiply in the garden. Do what you need to do. Just, just be fruitful and multiply. They had dominion over, the, over everything in the garden. Now, they're going to have to work. The woman would suffer during childbirth. The man would have to work really hard to produce food from the earth. And they were driven out of the garden, the place of delight. The fall ruins. Sin continues and perpetuates the ruin. But in Jesus, the incarnation restores. This is where we get to Advent. This is where we get close to Christmas. Understanding this story helps us to not miss the reason for Christmas. The reason for Christmas isn't so that we could put up trees and lights and and have a happy time of gift exchanging. The reason of Christmas is that the world needed fixing. And God sent us a Savior. Because of sin, creation is broken, and we can't fix it on our own. So God sends that fixer, a Savior. He comes 
to defeat sin with a capital S, the idea of sin, the sin that is pervasive and rules in the world and leads to eternal consequences. He's also here to show us how to live free of the world's consequences of sin with a lowercase s as, we, as he teaches us and guides us to live a holy life. Holiness with God and with each other. Up until the moment that they bit of the fruit, everything was very good. When things are very good, especially the way that God's is very good, it doesn't need fixing. There's no need for a savior. It's good. Just let it keep going. There's no need to tweak it even. Just go along doing what you're doing. And it's all all right. But then everything goes sideways. The garden, initially the blessings, as I mentioned, were to be fruitful and multiply. God never took back those or revoked them. Those blessings continue. But we have this additional curse, which really isn't an addition. It's more like tough love. Now you're going to live with the consequences of your sin. Now that you're aware of good and evil in the world, you're going to live in the midst of the good and evil of the world, and you're going to have to work really hard to live into the blessing of being fruitful and multiply. And even though we continue to live in a world with a, with a Savior who has come and continues to offer us salvation and a way out of living in the in the worldly sin that it's in front of us, we still continue to pursue the things that are pleasing to the eye, like the woman said of the forbidden fruit, rather than the things that honor God. Last year, a young woman was studying abroad in Bali, and she was exploring the, the seashore, the wildlife, and, and just all the things that were there. It's different than, than what she experienced uh, growing up in the U.S., and she came across a lot of pretty amazing creatures. One of them was this cute and tiny little octopus with these little blue um, markings on it. She shared this with the world on TikTok, and you can see her showing it there. And then it crawl around on her hands. Some of you are going, ooh. But then, after she posted the video, she made a discovery as people started commenting on that little creature, that cute little creature that was pleasing to the eye. <laughs> if you read the thing, signs, this is going to Bali and unknowingly holding one of the world's most deadly animals. She learned that it was highly venomous, that it could carry enough venom to kill 26 human adults without, within minutes, and its bites were so tiny and painless that you didn't even know that you had been bitten. Until you, you can hardly breathe and you, and, and you can hardly move. And the end of that, she said, cheers for still being alive. She said she called her dad three hours after that crying. We still pursue the things that are pleasing to the eye, even though they might be deadly and venomous. We still do that. And that's, she happened into that. That wasn't anything that she pursued and sought to do. And sometimes we do get lucky. Perhaps. But other times we end up suffering for our missteps. And God, like a loving parent, does not want us to suffer. Now, of course, God desires us to learn from our suffering. He doesn't cause us to avoid suffering completely in our lives. Um, and God certainly doesn't offer suffering for its own sake. 
but he wants us to save us from the ultimate suffering and to show us how to live, to live a better way in this world. And Jesus is the, God's answer to both of those things. The ultimate suffering and a way to live better, and to avoid ultimate suffering and a way to live better in this world. To offer us a way to return to that perfect relationship with God. And also to live better with each other and within the created order of this world. One of the ways we prepare for Christmas is to reflect on why we need it in the first place. We need Christmas because we need Christ, the anointed one of God who can and does fix it. What sin has ruined, Jesus has restored. And he invites us into a restored way of life, restoring our relationship with God, restoring our relationship with others, restoring our relationship with God's created order. God still honors our uniqueness and our freeing, allowing us to choose his ways or not. We can and often do choose poorly, but God has given us a way out, a way of living in sinful, in, way out of rather, of living in sinfulness and the eternal consequences of sin. And his name is Jesus. He existed before, uh, he exists, has existed for eternity, but took human form and lived among us. He was born of Mary and laid in a manger. He grew up to show us how to live and love in such a way that honors God and the image of God within each of us. And he suffered and he died on a cross to defeat sin and death. And he rose again, showing the power of God to restore, to restore that which was ruined and to bring wholeness to that which is broken. While we continue to prepare for the what of Christmas, for the babe in the manger, let us not forget the other voices that remind us of the why. The why we need Christmas. And may the power of the incarnation and the resurrection continue to live through us and among us, revealing God's great love for all. Amen. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, while we pull decorations down from storage, begin setting things in place to remind us of the season, may we open our hearts to your words and to your wisdom, reminding us of the reason that we need this season altogether. And remind us of your power that though we live in a broken world that certainly needs fixing, that you are the ultimate one in offering the solutions to fix our brokenness, the brokenness within each of us and the brokenness all around us. And most importantly of all, to bring us closer to you once again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.